Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. What is this? What? What? Who is he? You might be able to run across the playground, but you can't hypnotize people. Like, I can't believe he's hypnotising my dad. I can't believe it. Yeah, I was hypnotised. Clucking like chickens on stage. Right. Uh, hello, you're listening to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. This is me. It's Bob Shoy. I'm hosting my first episode since like last October or something. Um, and with me as always, uh, I'm going to go clockwise from the Skype call, Adam Tiss in the top right of my screen. Hey. And in the bottom right of my screen, Luke Beef. Hey. And then in the middle of the screen is me and to the left is Audacity running so the listeners can visualise what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> and on the desk in front of me is my notebook. So guys, what are we <laughs> talking about today? I don't know. What are we talking about? Something something to do with aliens. Yeah, you should know. I did mention it. It's the second part of my alien abductions series. Um, I talked about the first abductees last time. Which felt like a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. It was like a year ago, and I said, yeah, it's the first of a series. Then we got distracted with Indiana Jones stuff and all sorts of this on the other side. Um, so a little refresher of what we talked about last time. Uh, we talked mostly about the rise of abduction, um, like commonalities and tropes and things that come up in lots of different people's stories um, who claim to have been abducted. We talked about the first few major documented cases that took place mostly in the 1950s. Uh, the first was Antonio Villas-Boas, who he tried to flee on a tractor, that guy. Um, mm-hmm. And then he was caught, stripped, covered in a strange gel and ended up suffering from radiation sickness later in his life. So a strange case. Um, and then we also talked about Elizabeth Clara, um, she suffered multiple abductions from 1954 to 1963, ended up having a relationship with Akon, the spaceman, and was taken aboard the mothership, which had a garden interior. I'm sure it's all coming back to you now. (laughs) (laughs) Ludicrous stories. So that was mainly the 1950s, and Elizabeth kind of went into the 60s as well. But today, we're going to be talking about the 1960s as a decade, um, because the 60s was an abduction boom, and it's when the term alien abduction first became recognised. It's sort of when people started saying, okay, more people are claiming this as happening, we'll give it a name, we'll... um, this is now recognised. Is it coincidental that all of this boomed when psychedelic drugs boomed? 
It's all that stuff in it. It's like NASA and psychedelia. The 60s was mental. If there was a decade that I would like to live through, but also still have my life, like I, I... the 60s I, I think the 60s would be too much for me i i always feel like early 70s would be better it's like the hangover from it there's still some like there's still like the the hippie hangovers but they're not too mad for me i always yeah are you laughing Sorry, about just... this is noodles <laughs> it's all right they get edited out they not, the listeners don't know that he's slurping noodles <laughs> crazy slurp really really big slurp I'm sorry. I might leave a little bit of the slurping in so they know we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah, sorry. Yes, so lots of lots of booming alien abductions in the sixties. Sorry, carry on. Well that's what we're talking about. So today, um this episode will be called Alien Abductions, the nineteen sixties. But really we're gonna talk about two major cases, like we did last time. Um So the first case we're going to talk about today is something which is called The Hill Incident. It's quite a famous case. And uh, they actually made a TV movie about this, which I watched last week or the week before. I can't remember. I'm revisiting these notes. I made them two weeks ago. Um, So I'm a little bit all over the place of them. I haven't had time to re-look at them. So I'm sort of trying to work out what I meant when I wrote half of it. But I did watch a film called The UFO Incident. Hmm. I don't know when it came out. It's it's seventies actually because it's uh, James L. Jones is in it, but it's before he was Darth Vader. It's it's a pre-Vader James L. Jones. Wow, I don't think I've ever heard of him doing anything before Star Wars. Yeah, well, only theater stuff, but he is so good in it. Um, I mean, the film is not amazing, but his performance oh. is amazing. And there's a scene where he gets hypnotized, and it's What's like it a, called? Sorry, the UFO incident. Right. It's a TV movie from the I think it was like seventy five, maybe. It's a few years before Star Wars. Correct. Seventy five. Is that right? I've just IMDb'd it. So he's in it. Sorry, you know it's a rubbish movie because it's when you go on IMDb, like there's no photos, there's no info at all. It's just like a little blurb. No, I found it on YouTube. The whole thing's on YouTube. So people, if you want to watch it, guys, crazy. watch it for free, listeners. It's on YouTube. Um, there's a really bad rip of it. And then I started watching it. I was like, I can't watch this. Then I found a really good rip of it. So maybe I'll play some clips from it later on. Because this, there's a, they both get hypnotized, these people, later in this story. Hmm. And, um, you know, when people, rem- they have some lost time and they start remembering it through the hypnosis. And the scene where he's hypnotized and is reliving the events is so intense and it's just him in a chair but it's magnetic performance and it's about 15 wow. minutes of him just in a chair like all like and then i get out the car and i see it. and he's just doing that but it's so good it's worth it's worth the wow. it's worth watching the film for that one scene uh maybe i'll put a clip of it later. he's underrated i think as an actor oh he's great he's great i always whenever i see him in something i always think i wish he was in more stuff and then i remember oh he was but he was in like theater stuff he's a theater guy um yeah yeah love love james l jones yeah he's got a voice made for theater isn't he it's just his voice is incredible perfect yeah so um yeah the hill incident i will be referring to uh my book i referred to last time the illustrated history of ufos which i'm holding to the camera for listeners, you can't see it. I do love that. Oh man, that's so good. It's a great book. So I've made some. What page of my bookmarked in here? So this first case happened in 1961 in New Hampshire, and I'm going to sort of read some stuff from the book and read some stuff from my own notes and go back and forth. And I've got a couple of little clips and stuff. 
so this kind of has it all, this story. It's got grey aliens, it's got saucers, it's got lost time, it's got all the uh, bullet points you want from an alien abduction story, and it's one of the more famous alien abduction stories. Have you guys, have either of you heard of this, by the way, the Hill Abduction? I've never heard of this. This is all brand new to me. Yeah, I've never heard of it. Okay, so the Hill Abduction. The 1960s were a veritable boom time for the phenomenon, which is what I just said, signified by high-profile abduction cases, mass sightings, and increasingly unusual case details. All the while, official government inquiries did little to stem public interest or entirely explain away UFO activity. The most well-known abductee incident concerns the American couple Betty and Barney Hill. Their experience recovered through hypnosis is credited with popularizing the grey alien archetype. So this is the case which kind of created that image of the grey alien that we all... When someone says grey alien, we know what they mean. This is the OG UFO incident. Yeah, it's often considered the one that sort of originated the grey alien image. Oh, okay. Well, like the greys. Yeah, with the the short bodies, grey skin, you know, the black oval eyes that come up. Yeah, those guys. So, on the 19th of September 1961, the Hills were driving back from a holiday when they spotted a flying saucer. Having studied the craft closely, they left with a sense of unease. When the Hills returned home, they had the unusual impression they had forgotten something important. So, this is one of those they couldn't remember something felt off situations. Um, They're on their way back from Niagara Falls and they thought like it might have been a falling star or something. They stopped to to look at it, but the light wasn't moving sort of across like a falling star would or, or sort of downwards. It was moving, it started moving upwards and moving all around. And then, and Betty was sort of saying, well, you know, her sister was really interested in UFOs and had told her loads of stuff about them. So she was thinking, you know, this, I think this is a UFO. I think this is what my sister's interested in. So she was starting to become convinced it was a UFO and then it started moving very erratically. Uh, but afterwards, they couldn't really remember any details. They knew they'd kind of seen something, but they couldn't really remember much of what what happened. But they did start hearing like a, a buzzing sound in their ears in the following days intermittently. Um, mm. They noticed their watches had stopped working. Um, Betty had a tear on her dress, which she didn't remember happening. Um, there were marks on the car that weren't there before, these strange marks. And um, they, they're a compass. When they, they had a compass, every time they took it near their car, it started sort of behaving erratically. So it's... Strange. Yeah, some some odd stuff. But I've got a little clip from the film, The UFO Incident, because I was going to tell you a little bit more about Betty and Barney Hill, but there's a scene in the film where it just introduces the characters with a narrator, and it's like, Barney Hill, and it tells you all about them, so I thought I would leave the narrator to describe Betty and Barney Hill for you. Okay, I'm ready. Right, here we go. Barney Hill, 39, works for the post office, is a distinguished member of NAACP, and active in community fairs, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Well-read, Educated, IQ of 140. Previously married, two children. Suffers deep guilt about leaving marriage and children, but sees them as often as he can. Also suffers from childhood of 
racial strife. Betty Hill, 42, comes from an old New Hampshire family dating back to 1629. Previously married, 13 years, two adopted children, now grown. Returned to university after divorce, received degree, presently works as welfare worker for the state of New Hampshire. He has a background of security in both upbringing and heritage. There we go. There's your little uh, profiles on uh, Betty and Barney. Is that Anthony Hopkins narrating? No, I don't know who that is narrating. It's definitely not Hopkins. Sounds so much like Anthony Hopkins. You might have noticed in there he said oh, he had um, some emotional trauma to do with um, racial strife. So it bears mentioning that they were an interracial couple and they did get some, you know, shit for that in the, the 1960s. Big deal in the 60s. Yeah, 1961. Um, mm. uh, Barney Hill was a black man and Betty Hill was white. And he had um, some sort of repressed feelings about his unease about that situation as well. So anyway, let's continue the story. So uh, to make her report, Betty telephoned uh, Peace Air Force Base to report the sighting. And the officers decided that the couple had misidentified Jupiter. It was clear in the sky that night. And they said, no, no, that, that's Jupiter, which is <laughs> feels a bit of like a, a lazy response when they're like, yeah, we saw this thing and it was buzzing all around the sky and flying upwards. And they're like, yeah, that's Jupiter. Oh, bloody Jupes. It does that all the time. Yeah, no, that, that sounds like a classic place of Jupiter to me. But um, she does a bit more research on her own. Um, so still eager to make sense of what the two of them had seen, Betty borrowed a UFO book from the library by Major Donald Kehoe, director of the civilian UFO research group NICAP, and uh, decided to write to him about her experience. NICAP, did I even make a note of what that stood for? I was just about to ask. Yes, it's the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. Okay, fair enough. So around this time as well, Betty, and following the incident, she's having bizarre dreams, uh, recurring dreams, sort of frightening like nightmares, and she doesn't know why. They all are about, you know, the event. But it's like the same sort of, dream slash nightmare happening like every night i think it happened mm. for like i haven't written down the night. i think it happened for like four uh five or six days and then stopped but she for like basically a week solid she had like the same horrific dreams every single night uh, about the incident or just... yeah so it's possibly like you know they couldn't really remember the details i don't know if it's that suppressed memories like leaking out but so hang on sorry so they were in their car yes the, t- the two of them yeah or with yeah and they saw this all going on in the sky, and then did you say they just blacked out or something? I can't remember what you said. Well, the next thing they knew, they were sort of just carrying on. As far as they were aware at the time, they're driving along, they see something in the sky, it's moving weirdly, then they carry on their time. They realise, I've been sort of burying the lead here, that four hours passed in that time. Okay, sorry, carry on. So there's they don't all they remember is they saw something kind of odd these odd lights Mm. but they also felt like they had forgotten something right 
and the the marks on the dress on the car and all this stuff suggests like this was more than we just saw some lights in the sky. Yeah, something's happened. But that's all they remember. And even that is yeah. kind of like, yeah, there's kind of a light moving weirdly. But So she sends this letter to NICAP. Um, and so in response to Betty's letter, NICAP investigators visited the hills and found them to be a delightful and honest couple. They noted that the hills drive home had taken much longer than it ought to have and estimated that the couple had misplaced seven hours after the encounter, right? Some sources say four, some say seven. Either way, it does. The time doesn't add up. No, long time. Yes. So an element of missing time has been noted across many abduction accounts, and some UFOlogists attribute it to the deliberate attempt by the alien abductors to repress memories of the abduction. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like. Yeah. They don't want them to remember, do they? So that's insane. I mean, at this point, at this point. If you're putting yourself in their shoes, what are you thinking? You've lost four, between four and seven hours around a time that you saw a strange light in the sky. I don't know. I still think, I mean, I still think it would take me a bit of time to A bit of to missing time. To, a bit of missing time to get to that it was a UFO. Like, I don't right. know. I don't know. Like, I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I probably wouldn't be like, definitely UFO then. But it would be strange. Well, it's it's hard to put yourself in the shoes of someone in that era. It because is. now, there's so many people who tell UFO stories, then they weren't commonplace. No, I guess I guess not. And I think also, you know, they had the space race around the same sort of time, didn't they? So yeah. I guess, was it was it more heightened in their minds to think of stuff like that? Because they were, it was the decade where all that happened. Um yeah, it's definitely weird, uh, particularly that it's two, two of them. Like, normally some of these accounts is just one person. Yeah, that's the other thing. And they're, they're relatively, like, every account is like, yeah, they met up with them expecting some kooks, and they were, like, a really nice, normal couple, and their stories matched. Yeah, they said, well, well-read and educated. Yeah, yeah. I will ask you, I don't know if I've asked you guys this before, I'll ask each of you. Have you ever been driving around at night and seen strange or erratic lights in the sky and thought wonder what that is not when i've been driving but when i've been walking around right yeah definitely what do you what do you put it down to <sighs> don't know really just sort of take it as it is i'm not really yeah. gonna know yeah i kind of don't go too far with it there's a few times where i could have seen what i thought was a ufo but it's like eh, never gonna know exactly i was just i this isn't in my notes i just thought of it just then i was just thinking I've walked around, and like like you just said, Tiss, I've seen stuff. I wonder what that is. But I don't really think more of it. Maybe it was a UFO. I don't fucking know. I feel like there's a certain person who's like, that's a UFO. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's like whatever light you see, and then it becomes kind of ludicrous. When I do see things, um, I suppose the same as you guys might have seen something, I, I guess my mind would probably go to, it's probably... A satellite or maybe even like a military drone or something like that. Like I don't, there would be a few things before it was UFO for sure. Right. I think that's now. Yeah. The times that I've seen them have just been before those things were kind of commonplace. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it's probably just another satellite or, you know, cause some of the satellites, you they are quick, you know, you don't have very long to see it. And some of them are bigger than you think they are. And, but yeah, also, I don't know, I suppose we're living in, times where there's lots of stuff going on 
around the war and some maybe my brain would probably be like oh it could just be like a military thing would be my guess first yeah have you ever bob have you ever seen anything whilst you've been driving just like just like what you guys are saying just like you just see just i don't know it might be a plane i don't know what plane lights look like really that's the thing i don't know what things are supposed to look like i'm not yeah something that barney said i've just found this i've been clicking around in the background something that barney said later on so i've got here um about when he recovered some of his memories from that time, he said, um, what they saw reminded Barney of a huge pancake. Carrying his pistol in his pocket, he stepped away from the vehicle and moved closer to the object. Using the binoculars, Barney claimed to have seen 8 to 11 humanoid figures who were peering out of the craft's windows, seeming to look at him. In unison, all but one figure moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft. The one remaining figure continued to look at Barney and communicated a message telling him to stay where you are and keep looking. Barney had a recollection of observing the humanoid forms wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Red lights on what appeared to be the batwing fins began to telescope out of the side of the craft and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. The silent craft approached to what, but, uh, to what Barney estimated was within 50 to 80 feet overhead and 300 feet away from him. So yeah, that's, um, I just found that, that was actually, of all places, Wikipedia. Because um, I just thought I'd click on there about what it said about this case. Mm. And um, yeah, so that's a bit more in depth as to what Barney remembered later on as happening during that time, once of one of the events that happened during that time, yeah. Mm. I, I love that description. I love the, um, they're all like, they sound smart, these aliens. Yeah. Like they're dressed smart. they got uniforms and stuff. Well, that's weird. What is it, like a, some kind of galactic school bus or something? I don't <laughs> understand. They're all wearing <laughs> uniforms. This is, this first, I think it's the first time I've heard of aliens wearing clothes. Well, there's a little image in this book of um, the aliens in the clothes. Not a photograph, oh, yeah. obviously. But... <laughs> wow, okay. They look a little bit like um, Slender Man. Yeah, they do look a bit Slenderman-ish. I forgot where I was in terms of the actual story now. So we got, oh yeah, she was having the dreams. So they, so they go under hypnosis, basically. So um, after the UFO sighting, Betty suffered from unsettling dreams. Yes, where we are. While Barney felt persistent physical aches, so he's getting these like pains in his body, and she's having the dreams. Either way, they're not feeling right. And I already said they're getting buzzing in their ears. They're getting headaches as well. Um, so, hoping to address their maladies, the Hills visited hypnotist Dr. Benjamin Simon. During seven months of hypnotic sessions, the couple recalled the horrifying abduction experience that followed their UFO sighting. Hmm. Is, how long was the hypnosis, did you say? Seven, seven months. months. Yeah. That's a lot of hypnosis. So, I'm just looking for... I've got some notes on online on the uh, hypnosis sessions, because that's where... Mm. That's where it gets a bit juicier, and I've actually got some clips from the from the hypnosis sessions. Yeah, oh, good. I've got some of uh, Betty's clips. I think. Oh, really? So um, Barney's sessions on hypnosis. Uh, Barney reported that the binocular strap had broken as he ran from the UFO back to his car. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but that afterwards he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing on the dirt road. The car stalled and three of the men approached the car. They told Barney not to fear them. 
He was still anxious, however, and he reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes. Whilst hypnotised, Barney said that I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes. Barney described the beings as generally similar to Betty's hypnotic dream recollections that she had mentioned previously. The beings often stared into his eyes uh, with terrifying, mesmerising effect. um, Under hypnosis, Barney said things like, oh, those eyes, they're in my brain in his first session. And um, he also said, I was told to close my eyes because I saw two eyes coming close to mine and I felt like the eyes had pushed into my eyes from his second session. And all I see are these eyes. I'm not even afraid. They're not connected to a body. They're just there. They're just up close to me, pressing against my eyes. So this is traumatic shit they were going through during these hypnosis sessions. That's horrible. That's crazy. Um, you know what? I'm going to play a little clip of the hypnosis session from the film with um, James L. Jones. Come on. Let's see. What have we got here? Let me just... I think I've got a clip queued up where he's talking about where he goes back to the car to get the gun out. He said before he went to get a gun out of the car. All right, here we go. Let's try this. You can remember everything. Just go on remembering. There's no need for you to cry out, you... You're calm now. You still feel you have to get your gun? Yes. It meant to harm you, you felt? Yes. And I open the trunk and I take it out and I put it in my coat. And I look and I look and I say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'll shoot it down. And and I run out across the road and... There, there, there it is, up there. Amen. Amen. Is he a captain? What is he? And he's looking at me, and I say, no. I have to shake my head. This isn't true. This can't be true. And it's still there. And I look up and down the road, and I think, can't somebody come along and tell me that this isn't there? It's there. There we go. Wow. That is pretty intense, just to listen to that. Intense. That scene, that scene with him under hypnosis is, it is nearly 20 minutes long. But it's, you know when a scene is so long, but you're like, it's the, it's the good bit of the film, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. What's good about them hypnosis scenes is a lot of it is from the transcripts or recordings of the actual hypnosis. So they're all the actual words that, that they said. I was just about to ask if it was if it was pretty much verbatim. Yeah, because I've listened to some of the clips and I'll play some from the actual recording of Betty and they're exactly the words of the actress uses in the film when she's under hypnosis. So Wow. So let's talk nice. about uh Betty's account as well. Uh under hypnosis, Betty's account was similar to the five dreams that she had had about the UFO abduction. So those dreams she was having where she was I'm having these weird dreams about UFOs. That's exactly what she recovered during her hypnosis sessions. However, there were some notable differences, mainly pertaining to the the idea that she was captured and then released. 
Also, the technology on the craft was different. The short men differed significantly in physical appearance and the sequential order of the abduction differed. Barney and Betty's memories in hypnotic regression were, however, consistent with one another. So they had them separately and the stuff that they came out with was the same narrative. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, they could have just kind of shared with each other, I suppose, before the sessions, couldn't they? They could have. It feels like a, a, a long time, seven months, to keep up a ruse this long. Mm, yeah, potentially. With no... It's not like they were in the media about it at the time. It feels like what would there be to gain? It's a, it's a really mm-hmm. odd case for me in that way. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, the the, the hypnotist, He uh, once they were done, it says... Um, he wrote an article all about it, and he said his conclusion is that the case was a singular psychological aberration, whatever you want to make of that. That's all he, that's all he came down to. Right. But what do you think about, because um, a lot of these UFO abduction cases, they come down to a session where the people, the abductees, are under hypnosis to recover the memories they feel like they've lost. What do you think about that whole idea of like, hypnosis and recovering memories and UFO abductees? I don't really know what to make of it. Um, I don't really, don't really know much about hypnosis, and unfortunately for me, I suppose uh, my opinion of hypnosis probably hasn't changed since like the nineties. Yeah, when there were people like Paul McKenna doing it, right? And um, I don't know. I just remember my my nan telling me he was like a silly idiot. And it's like I don't know. I I think because because my family thought it was a load of crap, I've probably grown up thinking it's a load of crap and not really had a reason to think about it. Really, to be honest, and I've not really had, um, yeah, I've just not really had a reason to to think about it. So it I don't. I think that's not to say I think it is crap. I just. Haven't really given it much thought, but you've you've been hypnotised, haven't you, recently? When was I hypnotised? Oh, I was. Oh, yeah, I was hypnotised. Do you know what's weird about that is? I was like, when was I hypnotised? Because the whole thing about my hypnosis was that I've lost time. They made me forget stuff. So I was like, I don't remember being hypnotised. That was the point. <laughs> I totally it, don't exactly know. Um, I, <laughs> I saw any listeners who have ever seen Darren Brown live. Um, I've seen two of his different shows now. He, he'll make a new show every sort of three or four years. Do you know and what? I completely forgot about Darren Brown. <laughs> that's who hypnotized me. Darren Brown hypnotized you. Yeah. That's a time loss. You've never told me that. Oh, when did you think I was hypnotized then? Maybe I was hypnotized again. No, you... Um, that that was the time. I just didn't know it was Darren Brown. Oh, Sorry. you know what it was. I spoke to Tiss all about it. Yeah, on the phone. Right. And then I must have mentioned it like offhand. Where I said to you like, "Oh, we'll get into it another time." Have you told the story on the pod? No, uh, a bit like Tiss and his sex capades. We're like, "Yeah, we'll talk about it another time." And then, um, I never, and then we never did. <laughs> I never did. No. So I saw Darren Brown live. Yeah. Uh, at his most recent show. Um, it was one of those spur of the moment things where some tickets came up for sale from someone I knew in the city. And it was like, literally, do you want to see Darren Brown tomorrow night? I can just give you the tickets at face value. And I was like, yeah, sure. I wasn't doing anything. So me and Becca went up. It was only, it's only the theatre up the road from here. So 10 minute walk away. And it was an amazing show. And there was mm. a whole bit where he's hypnotizing this guy on stage. Mm. 
and he's making him forget time. And I won't go into too much of it because the whole sort of thing you enter into when you go to see Darren Brown line is you don't really tell much at the show afterwards. Um, but there was a bit where he said, um, anyone who's impressionable, anyone who doesn't really doesn't want to be hypnotized or have any effect, you might just want to like look away now or hunt yourself. And I was just watching the show, not really feeling lightheaded at all. I'm not susceptible to that stuff at all. I don't think. And, Mm. um, he kept making this guy on stage going like pick up stuff from the other side of the stage. And then he would say to the guy, how did you get that? And he'd be like, Oh, just, he didn't remember. He was forgetting stuff. Right. Anyway, there was a time where he said he was just chatting and the next thing I know, he said like, oh, some of you might have not experienced the last like 20 seconds or something of what happened. And I was like, he knew saying stuff about what happened in that 12, 20, 30 seconds. And I thought he was fucking with me. I thought he was, because I said to Becca, did you see that? She said, no. I said to him behind, I said, did you see that stuff? And she's like, no. And we all just presumed he was fucking with us, the people in our sort of area. Mm. But then at the end of the show, he played a video. He's like, for the people in the crowd who don't believe they lost some time during that show, here's the video of what happened on stage during that time. And I was like, no fucking way. He was like tap dancing and shit on stage. I don't remember any of that. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. What and so and it was so casual. He just it was so it was it was like I didn't miss anything. That's mad. I don't know how he put me under. I don't know how he made me forget it. So hang on a second. I lived it, and then he but... erased like twenty seconds of my life or more. I don't know. Right. Okay. Sorry. So, so what do you think happened then? You were just watching Darren Brown. Yeah, nothing and happened. Then... He, the show just continued. But when he said to you, "Oh, some of you might not remember the last twenty seconds." Yeah. What happened? immediately before he said that like what were you seeing what i nothing that's why i thought he was fucking with us so you didn't see he was just standing there and then he says like some of you might might remember the last 30 seconds or whatever and i was just like yeah he's fucking with us it's like he said it straight after that's weird so he was just stood there and like he he just continued to for me it's like he just continued talking when i saw the video there was about a 30 second gap in between where he was like standing on a chair getting stuff out of a box wow that's insane yeah that is mad isn't it so yeah, I was hypnotised, um, which is weird. I had, and Becca was as well. Um, that's why we both thought like, oh, he's fucking with us until he played the video later on. That's, inc- that's crazy. It it was mad. It was really... And I've been to one of his shows before and I felt lightheaded at one of his shows before um, and I've sat down because you can choose to stand up and then sit down if you don't like what's happening and stuff like that. And I've felt lightheaded, but... I just always just thought, well, I don't think I'm really susceptible to this stuff. But yeah, it's really amazing. It's really bizarre. And for the next couple of days afterwards, I kept, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I felt a little bit violated and a bit weird that that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. But yeah, I was going <laughs> to, it's weird that you remembered that because I totally forgot because my next question was going to be, have either of you guys been hypnotized? Because I haven't. Really? Oh yeah, I have actually. <laughs> but yeah, so if you haven't, but Tiss, have you? Yeah, I was hypnotised. Um, well, hey. God, when, how old was I? I can't remember how old I was. But I, um, yeah, I got hypnosis um, for an, num- numerous things. What, recently? In, in recent years or when you were younger? No, no, when I was younger. What, it was like a therapy or? Yeah, it was. Um, oh, interesting. What was it? Oh, it's to do with um, going up ladders because I was working on building sites. Right, oh. I was just like fearful of like those sort of heights, and then 
had hypnotherapy and it kind of sorted it out. Wow, that's amazing. So you can go up ladders now. Yeah, yeah, I can go up ladders. And I'm sound with them. Wow. So this is this is where I don't really understand what hypnosis even is, because I'll tell you why, right? Are you thinking of like when you go to Butlins and they get someone on stage and he starts quacking around like a chicken? Basically, <laughs> that's basically all I... I'm a chicken, Marge. That's it. I'm a stone cutter. Dad, remember those self-hypnosis classes we took to help us ignore Grandpa? Do I ever? It's five years later and I still think I'm a chicken. I'm a chicken, Marge. I know, I know. And, and I think also... <laughs> culture as well like pop culture where it's like someone swinging something and you've got to like and then you go under and it's you know all that stuff rather than it actually being um i don't, I don't know just someone they just like it's a, almost like meditation they get you in like a state a susceptible state sometimes often without you even realizing they're doing it and then they can what rewire your brain because that's essentially I guess so. what they've done to Tiss is rewired that part of his brain that was scared of ladders or get to the root of something that was causing that fear or yeah I don't know this is this is where I wonder if it crosses over into there's that Netflix series isn't there right there's a series about um or I don't know if it's a series of, but it's about the brain and how your brain works right and there's a, there's a whole episode on how people rewire their brains and they've they've had this relatively new therapy and it's mainly for people who struggle with anxiety and they hook them up to this machine and so the therapist can see the brain and they can literally see the part of the brain that needs rewiring and so they can they can talk you through the process and talk you through whatever trauma it was on that can effectively spot what's going on in your brain. And yeah, people swear by it. Mm. Um, but they've also done things with people that um, have like eating disorders as well. Yeah, and yeah. There's been people who have been like, I guess, healed of um, anorexia and bulimia and um, like people who have like, um, like glandular glandular issues and and you know really obese and just not they just yeah so I guess I'm intrigued. So I feel like we're coming down on the side that hypnosis actually possibly a very effective method, <laughs> which is yeah maybe. I think I tell you I I tell you what it is. I think it's I think it's probably it's because of um my upbringing I suppose and and my faith. It's nineties media, I think. Ninety in the nineties, they loved taking the piss out of hypnotists. They did, they did. But I think it was, I think, be- probably because of the Butlins guys. Yes, and I've been to holiday camps where they've done that when I was a kid. And also the kind of shysters who want to try and make, you know, make a quick buck off of some susceptible people with, you know, more money than sense and. I think also being, you know, growing up in a sort of relatively spiritual household, my 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 grandparents were probably more concerned about anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just haven't had a reason to revisit it. So I suppose now I'm just it. Now it's sort of it's linked to more. It seems to be linked to more of a scientific yeah. route rather than 
Paul McKenna telling you to go and... Well, you know what's weird? You just talking then literally unlocked a memory in me. I was like, why did I think of it as like garbage when I was younger then? And I remember, I don't know how much my dad would appreciate me telling this on the pod, but I remember um, going on holiday with my dad um, when I was young and, you know, going to, you know, probably Canary Islands or something, um, resort, hotel, whatever. And they always have like the night entertainment on and you get an all-inclusive or cheap beer at the hotel bar and they all have a different entertainment on and one night there was a stage hypnotist magician guy and it's nonsense and my dad did actually get pulled up on stage and you guys have met my dad you probably you can probably guess that he wasn't too thrilled about getting pulled up on stage for a hypnotist (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) but um he did and he was there was like four of them on stage this is a very like kid memory so it's very blurry Mm. And I remember the hypnotist saying, you know, do this. And they all started doing it. And I was like, I can't believe he's hypnotizing my dad. I can't believe it. And, uh, you know, pretend you're a chicken, pretend everyone in the audience has got no clothes on, all that stuff. And they're all doing it. And then later in the night when when I sat down with dad again, he was like, I said to him, I, I said, were you really hypnotized? Were you really up there hypnotized? And he said, no, you just go along with it because you're on a stage and everyone else is doing it and you feel like you got to. He's like, the, he did not hypnotize any of us up there. He just kind of, it's the peer pressure aspect, I guess. Yeah. So for years, because of that, I was like, yeah, I just, my dad told me you just, it's just people messing around. I just presumed all hypnosis was that because that was the only time I'd seen it. And my dad had told me it was bollocks because he was the one up there having to play along. Uh, I'll, I'll mention this story as well before we. <laughs> Because I've just remembered I mean, something. I mean, the way right. we're going, I feel like this whole episode is just going to be out the hill instant now. I don't think I'm going to get onto the others. <laughs> but why not? Because I've still got more to go, yeah. So, so just very quickly, I've just remembered. So I remember when he started at my primary school. Right. And he just did, for a few days, he did weird stuff to try and get people to like him. Like well, that, for a few days, that was him all through kid. school. No, no, but... He would. He did weird stuff to try and improve, like to try and prove. I don't know. I think he was just desperate <laughs> for friends or to try and prove or something. something. <laughs> um. So, for example, like the first day, he like, he was like, "I can run across this playground really quickly." He and ran the length of the playground, and he no, he didn't. But I remember him coming back. I remember like he ran off, and I turned to, to Sam, and I was like, "He's not very quick, is he?" He's like, "No, should we?" Should we just say so because I think he'll be upset otherwise? And then he came back and did that, and I was like, "Yeah, that was quick, yeah." But then one day he came in, and he was like, "I can hypnotize people," and I went, "All oh, right, yeah, I'm sure, sure you can." He's like, "No, no, I can. I really, really can." So, and then he got this. Um, he had a conker on a string out of his pocket, and he just started like doing that stupid thing where he like yeah, the watch thing, and um. Yeah, I don't know. He did it to one of the kids, and one of the kids was obviously playing along. And I said, "Well, do it to me then." And and he did it, and I was like, "No, this is rubbish. This isn't working at all, mate. I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, you might be able to run across the playground, but you can't hypnotize people. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that's the impression we had of of hypnosis, though. Yes, when we were growing up, yeah. it was all silly, waving conkers around and um, clucking like chickens on stage. I would put hypnosis <laughs> in the nineties. I would have put hypnosis and psychics in the same box. Right, and now they're both just, legit. No, no. Now <laughs> hypnosis, 
seems to be more legit and hit psychics. I feel like I've come around on hypnosis just during this podcast. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about it, I suppose. But that is interesting, coming back to the hills. It's interesting that they both endured hypnosis for such a long time and both had parallel stories. That is interesting. Yeah. So um, let's let's listen to Betty Hill, some of the recordings from her, uh, actually the real real clips. And I think this is like a, a news report or something. So they're talking about the story in general, but they're in amongst it there are clips of um, it's like a, a, a retrospective looking back on on the incident. In early 1964, two years after her UFO encounter, Betty Hill also undergoes hypnosis designed to recall what happened that night. Trans Betty, in a deep, deep sleep, deep asleep, fully relaxed, far asleep. Under hypnosis, Betty remembers everything that she had conscious recall for, and then she remembers Barney taking a sharp turn in the road, and they were then on a dirt road with tall trees all around. I don't know where we are. I don't even know how we got here. At that time, I didn't feel afraid. Why are you crying if you're not afraid? I was afraid when I saw the men in the road. Men in the road? <laughs> I've never been so afraid in my life. There were figures standing in the road and she observed this huge fiery orb. And she's talking to Barney. What is this? Are we being robbed? Is there an accident ahead? Barney says to Betty, it's them. <laughs> Betty becomes terrified. She has never been so terrified in her entire life. She puts her hand on the door. She's going to run into the woods to hide, but she's intercepted, and she loses consciousness. The next thing Betty remembers is the alien beings escorting her through the woods and onto the spacecraft. They're taking me up to the object. I don't want to go on it. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't know what's going to happen if I go on it. I don't want to go. I go up the ramp, and I go inside. They're saying to Betty, there's nothing to be afraid of. We only need to do a few simple tests. You won't be harmed. And then you'll very quickly be on your way. She doesn't trust them. She kicks the one who is beside her, and this tears the hem on her dress down and tears the lining of the dress from waist to hemline. They regain control of her, and she is taken into an examining room on the craft. I'll watch him take body in the next room, and I go in. That's where Betty meets someone she calls the examiner. He tells me to take off my dress and then 
before I have even have a chance hardly to stand up to do it, the examiner. It had, my dress has a zipper down the back. And the examiner unzips my dress. It goes way down on my waist, the zipper does. And so I slip my dress off. So I don't have my, my dress or my shoes on. They uh, use some kind of stylus uh, pressing on the vertebrae in her spine. They take skin samples. They roll me over on my back, and the examiner has a long needle in his hand. And it, it's, it's bigger than any needle I've ever seen. And he, I asked him what he's going to do with it. And he said, just a simple test of therapy. And I asked him what? And he said, he just wants to put it in my navel. And it's just a simple test. And I don't know, it won't hurt. Don't do it. Don't do it. And even though it won't hurt. And he's taking the nail into my navel. <laughs> and I'm crying and I tell him it's hurting and hurting and hurting to take it out. And, and, and then the leader, he goes over and he puts his hand, runs his hand in front of my eyes. And he says, I'll be all right. I won't feel it. Oh. And all the pain goes away, but I still, I still, the pain goes away, but I'm still sore from where they put that, these, I don't know why they put that long needle into my navel. I tried to tell them it was, they shouldn't do it. Did they make any sexual advances to you? No. They didn't. No. I asked the leader, I said, why did he stick the needle, why did they stick the needle in my navel? And he said it was a pregnancy test. And I said, well, I don't know what they expected, but that was no pregnancy test here. There we go. So there's a fairly long clip, but there's some good stuff in there. Sorry. So she she said he put, they put the nail, the needle in my nail. Navel. Navel. Yeah, the audio is because she's like crying and stuff. That, the first time I heard it, I was like, what yeah. is she talking about? When I looked at the transcript, it's in her navel, so through her belly button. Oof. Right. Okay. That's better than what I thought. Originally, I thought she oh, said... Oh, they're putting it under her nail. <laughs> no. I don't know why that's so much worse. No. So I originally thought she said anal. Oh, because they took the dress off. Then... No, she did say they rolled her over. And then I thought she said nail, and I was like, I think I'd rather anal, actually. The nail. I'd rather a needle go up my ass yeah, than definitely. under my nail. There's already a hole there for it to slide up. One hundred percent. Very uh, uh, yeah. crash anyway, talk when we're very, talking about the um, very very traumatic, horrible experience. Yeah, so it's hard to work out some of what she's saying because she's quite distressed in it. But it's interesting to hear the actual a clip of the actual transcript. Yeah, um, of the actual experience. That's crazy. But she doesn't. They they said it's a pregnancy test. Yeah, that's what she. They said, "Why are you doing this?" And they said, "Oh, it's just a pregnancy test." So that's part of her account. 
Right. Um, so I've got to get back to my notes now. I feel like we've had like a 20 minute detour. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's probably my fault. We talked about hypnosis for a while. No, no, it was, it was good. The hypnosis stuff was interesting. So, um, bestseller. Guess what? That was a book. The Hills were able to separately recall similar accounts of being taken from the road by short grey aliens. These aliens subjected the Hills to demeaning medical tests aboard their spaceship, which we just heard some clips of. Um, the Hills' accounts were publicised in author John Fuller's best-selling book, An Interrupted Journey, from 1966. There's always a book, isn't there? Yeah, this is... Um, I mean... Yeah, this is where the money is, though, isn't it? Is it enough to... Um, no, probably not. Like seven months? It's probably not enough. Of farting around, is it enough? A book sale? No, the the cynicism is more towards there's always someone ready to, to try and make a... Because they wouldn't have made any money off of it, but... Oh, they probably got some for like selling their story, but also, like, if they're under hypnosis for seven months, I don't know what their state of their finances are, while they're working, how they're paying for this stuff, so yeah. I know, and how long How long did it go on for? Like, were they yeah. there for... Was it after work only, or was session? it... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. The interesting thing about the book, though, is um, it has some um, images in that um, Betty drew. One of them, quite a notorious one. The book included a sketch of a star map seen by Betty. Reader Marjorie Fish found it similar to the obscure star system of Zeta Reticuli. Detractors believe the similarities are coincidental. Regardless, Zeta Reticuli would be referenced by future adoptees and in popular culture. So she drew a star map of something that she saw on the spaceship and it matched up with a real star system image it looked similar to this if i can get this up for you guys oh yeah okay so it's it's quite a specific layout um and it did yeah yeah, it did match a far off galaxy um which i don't know as a with the internet i'd probably be able to find stuff like that but back then i don't know how i would know what a far off galaxy star system looked like no so exactly that's 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 a bit strange. It's a very odd wrinkle. Wow, it just all seems really crazy. There's a lot. There's a lot to it. This is one of the most like sort of dense cases. I was like half expecting yeah. this to. I didn't know if it would take the whole episode or not. I probably will at this rate. I did look into another one. So the aliens described by the Hills took the form of the now familiar grey alien, a short, pale creature with a large head and eyes. This appearance was not totally original, having been described by some witnesses before. So this is the one that kind of popularised it, but there had been previous... Because this was such a big case, it kind of popularised them. But there were similar descriptions of grey aliens before this and some other abductees. Uh, However, the extremely well-publicised Hill story established greys as the de facto popular conception of alien, which is uh, what I just said. Sceptics, such as uh, Marte Kottmeyer have suggested that Hill's hypnotic recollections were nothing more than a kaleidoscopic retelling of media that they had recently viewed. Most damningly, two weeks before the hypnosis, an episode of the science fiction series The Outer Limits had featured aliens that looked startlingly similar to the ones described by the couples. So they're saying in their dreams and stuff, they're just remembering some TV show they watched two weeks ago. Uh. Don't know what you think to that. Yeah, maybe changes things a, a little bit. I guess I just keep I just come back to the the length of time they were there 
hypnotizer, I suppose. Like, that's, yeah. I'm still not sure. Like, I don't know. Like, unless that, I mean, how how impressionable were they, and how crazy was this episode of a TV? I don't know. It just seems a bit. I mean, it's co- it's coincidental. The thing I find interesting is that they remember their their stories match. So either they planned that, yeah, or like, what are the chances of that? But what were they hoping for? If you're going to plan something like that, like you said earlier, what was the gain? Yeah, I mean, what? maybe, no. I don't know. Barney especially seemed very level-headed guy. So mm. it's more, because I said it earlier, that Betty's sister was interested in UFOs and used to tell her about UFOs and she was really into this new phenomena and convinced of the existence of aliens and UFOs and stuff. So maybe that yeah. got Betty convinced. But Barney didn't seem like the guy to get wrapped up in that stuff from the, the stuff I've read and, and, and looked into. So the fact that he was all wrapped up in it as well and his stories matched hers. Yeah. And his hypnosis was so sort of intense. That's that's the bit that gets yeah. me about it. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't you can't fake stuff like that. I don't I don't think. Was I mean I I, know, I guess some people could, but again not not for a, if it, if you maybe hypnotized a few times, you might be able to fake it. But the length of it, having watched quite a few of these UFO things recently, these abductee abductee things, I always feel like a lot of it is um, people explaining away some sort of trauma. It's the way their brain's way of dealing with some sort of trauma. Um, yeah, and if it was just one of them, like if it was just Betty. And she's talking about being inspected and violated and um, taken away and injected. I'm like, this sounds like a, a sexual assault story um, that yes. that has been that has been dealt with. That like she's pushed away. Yeah. But the fact that Barney is also telling the same story is what throws it all for me. Did he have a naval? He didn't. He didn't thing. talk about the naval thing. His was more about like coming across them all in suits and reaching for his gun and not being able to use it. But the eyes, he was yeah, obsessed yeah. by the eyes. They were trying to communicate with him into his brain and through that, for his eyes and stuff. All his stuff is about, about that. That sounds pretty horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I think. I don't know if I'm leaning so far as to say, I totally believe everything they say because that's a big leap, but yes. it is. Some of it is more, than coincidental, so I don't. I don't, I, d- I don't necessarily believe everything they say, but I do think it's a very interesting case with some real weird elements to it that don't add up, like the star map, and that that's another added, added wrinkle to it and stuff, and the lost time and all this. There's lots of yeah. weird elements that just give it something a little bit more. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. The the hours and hours. Yeah, that between lost four is, and seven that's hours. Crazy. Normally, again, normally with these things, it's like a matter of minutes, maybe. Yeah. So Barney um, died in 1969. So it was only like eight years after the incident. Um, he uh, he was only oh, 46, wow. 46, and he had a brain hemorrhage. Oh. That's Barney. That's a shame. Uh, but Betty, she she lived until 2004. Wow. And in the UFO community, because of you know, the, the the scope of their story and the notoriety of it and everything. She was like a little bit of um, a celebrity figure in the UFO community. Um, yeah. she died. Like I said, she died in 2004 um, of cancer. 
Oh wow! Okay. So that's that's their fates. But Tis, what do you think of the whole affair, the whole incident? Um, yeah, it's pretty creepy. I mean, yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure what to think. You're not um conv- completely convinced. No. No. That's the thing in it with these UFO abduction stories. I'm not completely convinced by any of them. No. Like we said before, when you see stuff. I don't know, there's, there's a part of you that kind of like plays it down, and I guess these people probably play up. Yeah. That sort of stuff. And you can almost convince yourself, you can keep running down a rabbit hole. If you see a light in the sky, then that can escalate into something else, then escalate into something else, and yeah, how much of it is you convincing yourself what you want to be real? Yeah. I think, again, that is definitely part a part of it for me. I think a lot of it comes down to what I think about aliens, which is that... I, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I can get on board with that there's other life in the universe, mm-hmm. like 100%. Like, I I can't imagine something that vast, there not being other forms of life out there. I'm not sure that I'm on board with that there are beings that have, you know, we seem to, to leap pretty quickly to this idea that there are beings that have advanced their technology so much so that they have visited us and I love you you always come back to this is the this is the beef stance of like they don't have to be better than us no they don't have to be I in my I saw this on um Jay Rogan was doing his podcast and he was talking about this with Neil deGrasse Tyson and he was saying the same thing he was like why do we always jump to this we always jump to the fact that these guys are like light light years pun light years ahead of us you know, and he's like, "What if they're not? What if, what if there are other beings out there having similar conversations to us? Like, I wonder. Oh, I wonder if there's other. And we would, you would never know. Mm. Um, I think, I think the fact that it ties in with the military. Like, I'm thinking of, um, like, uh, like, you know, I've got, I've got friends in the in the RAF and quite high up, like high up in the RAF. And American listeners, that's the Royal Air Force. Sorry, Royal Air Force, yeah. Um, and I, I'm f- fully aware that they know a lot that... And I don't want to know. You know, they, they know a lot that I don't what want to... What can we do about it? Exactly. You know, if if we're going to war tomorrow, I don't want to know about it. Like, just just do it and, you know... But but what I'm saying, I suppose, is... Like, I, I, I don't... I just want... I think a lot of this is probably just military stuff that's kind of accidentally mm-hmm. like i don't know you can't you can't have full control you think of the amount of um raft bases around like there's bound to be someone at some point who sees something that to me in my opinion is just a military experiment or some kind of military exercise i remember years ago we used to go to um we used to go you know i used to go to um new wine which oh yeah, is the, like Christian festival, which was that was just outside of Glastonbury in Somerset, and um, people would always there was always this like running joke when you go there of you'd hear noises in the sky and, and that sounded like aircraft, but there were no lights and mm-hmm. you know people were like oh they're a- this aliens you know it's UFOs you know they've they they're trying to conceal themselves by they have no lights and they you know but we can hear them there's definitely in a, a, there's definitely a craft up there. Um, but there was also an RAF base where they 
and they would practice um, night flying, right? Um, like, but, but like stealth night flying, and uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not. It's hard, isn't it? Because I don't want to say I don't believe. It's hard. It's, it feels mean. I just feel there's something going on which is more. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer to the hill incident. Like, even though these, I, I owe these guys nothing. I don't know the answer to it. I don't 100% believe that it was aliens because I'm so sceptical about this stuff. But there is something that went on. Something odd happened to these people. And that's true. And that is still a weird tale. Yeah, that's that's what I, I can concede that for sure. Like, something something weird happened. Something traumatic happened. And I don't know. I suppose also the sceptic in me is like, it was probably, maybe it was an attempt to kidnapping or maybe, I don't know, some guys just messing around with him or something. I don't know. So for the listeners, I've got another clip I'm going to put in here. I haven't got it queued up. It's it's another clip of of Betty um, sort of reliving the events. It's a, it's a more modern interview of her, but um, I I can't find the video. I'll find it and put it in the episode for listeners. Now it's quite cool. September nineteenth, nineteen sixty one. Bonnie and I driving home from Montreal. Saw a strange light in the sky. Would change direction. Came in, started following us. In an area known as Indian Head, it came out over the highway, stopped in midair, and Bonnie got out with the binoculars in an attempt to identify this craft. You know the old-fashioned straw hats that men used to wear, the flat crown and the brim? That's what it was shaped like. And then along one side, it had a big, big picture window, and it was had uh, dividers in it. And as he's looking up at it, and he could see people standing in the windows looking down at him, and the craft began to descend, and he had the feeling they were trying to kidnap him. He ran back to the car. We went speeding down the highway to avoid capture. And then later, they were standing in the middle of the road, blocking our way. This is what we saw when the car motor stalled out. I see. And they're separating and coming up towards us. This is your view, then, of the UFO yeah. people from out your car window? Right. Okay, so I count. This is our first view. This is about a them. half dozen there. Actually, there were 11. Talk to me about the features in here and what you remember. I mean, look at the, this one's face in particular. Tell me yeah. what we see I mean, there. you can see they're very human appearing. Yeah. Only here, you know, their eyes are wider spaced than ours. Okay. See? Right. The nose is smaller and yeah. a thin slit for a mouth. No hair, no protruding part of the ear. We were taken on board and they were t- we were told to relax, no harm was going to come to us. And we did. And they did some testing of both Barney and me and uh, showed me the star map of where they were from. There it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is the map you drew. Yep. Now, what, what, this is amazing because how much did you know about astronomy? Not a thing. About six weeks later, Bonnie and I had gone out in the evening. And when we came home, on the kitchen table was a pile of dried leaves, which wasn't there when we left. And when I went to clean up the pile of dried leaves, there was my blue earrings I was wearing that night. So the experience itself happened in 1961. 
but it was not known until a Boston newspaper reporter found out about it. And it ran for five days on the front pages of the Boston newspaper. I went on TV. I was questioned by F. Lee Bailey. And then I sat down and had lie detector testing in front of the whole country. And I had very, very high ratings for honesty and truthfulness. Whether you believe her or not, Betty still gets letters from well-wishers and UFO investigators the world over. This is an investigator from France. Sometimes there'll be a knock on her door, a fan dropping by for an autograph. And every once in a while, Betty will step out on the back porch to glimpse of what she claims is another visitor from far away. And that's the Hill incident. I'm literally just going to read a couple of paragraphs to skim over another case quickly, uh, which is the Andresen abduction. Yeah, sorry, man. Were we supposed to have shot past this and gone on to another incident? Well, I was going to do two, but this the major one is the Hill, and I don't want to come back and do the Andresen one as a separate thing, but I can sum it up quickly. Okay. Basically, so this is... I'll just read what the my, my book says about the Andresen abduction. So, following the well-reported abduction of Betty and Barney Hill in the 1960s, that's why I wanted to tie in because it's kind of the, the follow-on. The, the 1960s were busy with abductee claimants. On the 25th of January 1967, Betty Andresen experienced a particularly wild visitation by aliens. Subheading here, religious aliens. Hmm. Andresen's case began one evening when grey aliens dramatically floated through the kitchen wall and froze her family with alien wizardry. <laughs> oh, God. You're both rolling your eyes already. Hang on a minute. Andresen was treated to a trip on the flying saucer and discovered the aliens worshipped Jesus Christ. No, no, no. After medical examinations and transcendent spiritual experiences, she was kindly returned home. While many abductees have attempted to render their experiences with sketches or sculpture, few had achieved imagery quite as vivid as the illustrations provided by Andresen. She applied her talents to describe her alien experiences as well as the exact layout of the flying saucer. So this isn't her picture. This is an artist's rendition of what she described as the saucer. It's a bit like the inside of the falcon. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay. It's, like, um, right. it's like a big top hat. With layers, it's oh, like, I see. It's yeah, like yeah, a bowler yeah. hat okay. or an egg. I don't know. Um, I've got a couple more images that she drew because she went into great detail. Um, she drew all the stuff that she saw. Like um, this is some of her diagrams. I don't know if you can see that one. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. her in a pod of an alien standing in front of her. Mm. Um, there's this one wow. of her on the table with them all examining her. Wow, geez, that looks pretty. That's um, a lot of people. Aliens. And this was Sorry. a seat that she was placed on. It was like a, a slanted seat with a, a experiments in front of her. Right. So yeah. Wow. Within the study of UFOs, ufologists apply the term high strangeness to cases such as Andresen's that exhibit a surreal, dreamlike quality. Some claim this is evidence of witness sincerity. Why make it harder for oneself to be believed? Others suggest it is the contrary, evidence of improvised falsehood. Skeptics such as Dr. Aaron Skulik delicately noted that Andresen's emergence as an adoptee coincided with a personal loss. Mm -hmm. 
He believes the religious aspect of her experience is telling, suggesting that it may have been a symptom of grief. So it's all like wrapped up. She went through a loss and then she's having mm. religious feelings and then she's interested in UFOs. So skeptics believe this is all some big melting pot of tragedy and, and, and religion. And I shouldn't have rolled my eyes earlier. I was too quick. Yeah, so... Mm. That's the Andres and stuff. There's more to it. I did actually find... I, I spent ages trying to find a religious read on this. And I did eventually find some podcast with some preacher. It was a video podcast. And I was like, oh, listen to this. It was, it was really fucking long. And I kept skimming through it. And I was doing the washing up. And he totally lost me, this guy. He started talking about... Um, he kept going off track. And then he'd be like, oh, okay, right now, back to the Andres thing anyway. And then I totally got lost in what he was talking about for a while. And then he started talking about an alien being Satan. And what it turned out was that he was talking about the film Pool. What? With Nick Frost and Simon Peck. Oh, for goodness <laughs> And he's like, sake. I don't know if you've seen this film. Um, and he was, I, I was just like, well, how did we get onto this? It was so nuts. What was the preacher's name? I can't remember. I just I I have I completely closed the tab and didn't and scrub, scribbled out my notes because it was nonsense. Uh. I really hoped he'd have something interesting to say about Andreessen's claims, but no. It wasn't to be. Not. Why would they no preacher worth their salt is going to talk about aliens? But he was interested in the idea that she had been abducted and that these aliens also said they believed in Jesus Christ. And then they're just like, okay, well, maybe, you know, this is a a, a universal religion. I don't know. I was looking for something along those lines. Yeah. But that's that's all I really wanted to go to with Andres. And it's it's like a follow-up to the Hillenstone, which is the major 60s case. Um, So they're sort of the two cases I wanted to cover from the 1960s. Something I did want to bring up, and um, this is Tiss's time to shine, is I finally mm-hmm. watched Tiss's favourite Netflix uh, program, Confessions of an Alien Abductee, from 2013. Yes. Did you like it? Tiss, did you rewatch it recently? I did, yeah. I did. I thought it was incredible. I've never quite seen anything like it. I told you, I told you that from the start that that, that needs to get a license somewhere. Someone needs to put it on because it was unbelievable. And it is, isn't it? It's. It did leave me feeling kind of sad, though. Right. Because I was like these poor fools. Like, they were so damaged. And, and, the, and the documentary is, is very exploitative. It makes out like it's um, sympathetic. It's about this group called AMMACH, which stands for, this is ridiculous already, Anomalous Mind Management Adductee Contactee Helpline. <laughs> so oh, it's right, sake. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and basically they have a big meet-up and then the documentary crew follow, they cherry-pick three crazy people, basically, to follow around yeah. and um, and get there. But they've, you know when what these sort of shows do, they're acting like they're being sympathetic, but they're, they're playing silly music in the background. It's like Come Dine With Me, the way they follow these people around. <laughs> yeah. And they pick the most ludicrous examples. And by the end of it, I was just like, these poor fools. Tiss, the, the woman who believed that she had like implants injected into her. Yeah. And she keeps going to doctors and stuff. And she's every, basically every avenue she goes down to prove she's not lying she gets like shut down and there's a bit where a lie detector man comes to her flat and it was such an incredible scene i had to rewind it and watch it again straight away i was like becca please come here and watch this scene this guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Because she's like so sure that she's going to pass this lie detector test. And when she inevitably fails, and this guy's not a bullshit. He's like head of like seismotronic, whatever they call it, the lie detector thing. He's a real, he knows what he's doing. And he's not taking any guff off her, basically. And he's like, you know, you, you, how do you think you did? And she's like, well, I was telling the truth. And he's like, well, you did really badly, actually. Um, <laughs> and she's like, well, this is ridiculous. And he's like telling him to leave. He's like, did you want me to lie to you or did you want me to do my job? And she's like, you know, what did you do your job? He's like, well, I've done my job then. So, <laughs> And she basically kicks him out of the flat. It's incredible. Wow. I need to see this then. Yeah. Confessions of an alien abductee. Tiss, have you got any highlights from this? The Kentucky woman. The Kentucky woman. There's three women. It follows. There's, there's a man and two women. Um, Chantel is the Kentucky woman. Yeah, Kentucky. I, I made some. And she, notes. Lives, she lives with her son. Yes, and her son's totally on board of it. And they get KFC quite a lot. And there's a bit where she says, um, "I wrote down the quote because it was amazing." She starts getting all light lightheaded. We're eating, eating this Kentucky and nervous. And the cameraman's like, "You all right?" And she's like, "Yeah." Takeaways are often a trigger for abductions. Yeah. For Chantel, takeaways often seem to be a trigger for abductions. And what happened? Why are you eating? Well, we're just sat eating it. We, we just noticed it's missing time. We're eating Kentucky. We looked at time. Two to two and a half hours had passed by. But when I, I noticed all these strange body markings on my body, the bruising everywhere and the needle marks on my right wrist. I get abducted a lot when we're not eating Kentucky light, but the, it seems to happen a lot as well when we're eating Kentucky or anything to do with chicken. Um, and then she says they move her ciggies around when she's not looking. The aliens come into the flat and move her cigarette packet around. Oh, bless them. Yeah. But greys aren't your normal run-of-the-mill aliens. They appear to have a sense of humour. They were moving things, trying to send me bonkers, actually. <laughs> what was moving? Ornaments, everything. They, they moved my fags, my cigarettes. No. They did. I put them on there and they moved my cigarettes. I looked for them. I couldn't find them. Just walked out there through it. I thought, well, I haven't put them there. And I come back and they were there again. They were moving things. They did them behind here. This is what they do sometimes before they take you. They like to play tricks. She's the most abducted person in uh, Britain. The most abducted? Why would they keep... Okay. I don't know. But she doesn't... <sighs> to me, she just seems lonely. They, they said to her, would you want them to stop? And she's like, I don't think I would now. I think I'd kind of miss it. And it's like, ah, oh, this is sad. Yeah, it's... She's concocted it in her head, yeah. isn't she? It's just yeah, yeah. That's sad. I want to see this. There's a guy from Whitby. We've we talked about him before. Tis the guy who was like married to the cat queen or whatever. He has sex with the yeah, cat queen. Yeah, yeah. And he's from Whitby. He's from, from sort of not far from me. And there's a bit where the cameraman's in the car with him, and he's burning down these side roads, and he's overtaking people, and it's a bit hairy. And he's going, "This is what we call cat and mouse," because he's pre- obsessed that he's being followed by someone. And he's like overtaking traffic and stuff. It's um, wow. it's bizarre. I missed that bit. Yeah, the, the, he talks about like uh, he's a councillor at Whitby Council, and um, what do my notes say? He has an alien called Mum that adopted him. He was adopted by an alien being. He visits her once or twice a month. He has sex with another alien, which he just calls the Cat Queen. Uh, he has sex with her possibly four times a year. They have a child together. Why do you call it mum? Because when I was a very small child, the very first recollection I have is being lifted out of my cot. But having an alien mum isn't Simon's only close encounter. That is the, the being that I claim to have sexual relations with. 
so I don't have a name. All all I refer to her as is the Cat Queen. So you have sex with her? Yes. How often? I don't remember all of it. <laughs> um, probably four times a year, something like that. So do you have any alien children? You're looking at one here. This is the name, Zaka. So that's your child? <clears throat> well, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And you know what? It really is like they're setting you up because at this point my mouth is dropped open. I'm like, I can't believe what I'm hearing. And then the narrator's like, all this causes quite friction between him and his real human wife on Earth. And I'm like, he's fucking married. <laughs> yeah, man alive. But again, like, the, it comes out towards the end that he almost died when he was young. He had a he had a single mother who was a severe alcoholic. He had like a really bad relationship with her. So he's in my brain. He's conducted concocted this mum that cares about him emotionally. Yeah, it's it would be coping mechanisms, which is why, you know, I I don't in a way you don't want this stuff to be commissioned because it's it's just you just it just becomes like the X factor. They just find these people. It's, I'm not made of stone. It is fascinating watch, but it's sad. But it was amazing. But it's sad. Yeah. He draws these like yeah. childlike crayon drawings of what the aliens look like. They look like a kid drew them. They're all, and there's even a bit where it's following him around going to buy some crayons. And he's like, yeah, these will be really good for drawing the aliens. So that's a good one. Gonna have that one. These are nice, big, thick colouring crayons, which are just ideal. I know they're for kids, but they're actually absolutely ideal. So we're going to have those as well. Uh, are you talking about for your mum? What yep. green does your mum have? That sort of colour. That's a really good colour. Simon spends hours drawing his experiences. He finds it helps him come to terms with them. No, that's just exploiting it, isn't it? It's just horrible. Yeah. Why crayons as well? It's just... Exactly, there's something... See, Tiss is still laughing. There's something funny about it, but it's sad. Yeah. Yeah, and the other woman is Marie, who believes she's part alien, and she gets a DNA okay. test on there, and it comes up as false... Um, and she's still not having it and she goes to see a doctor about stuff she's like I've got implants in me and he's like no this is something this uh, this just looks like neurofibrotosis this condition called that and she's like well I've never had that and he's like yeah I'm telling you you have yeah <laughs> she believes it's implants um, so she keeps visiting these professionals and they keep saying like no it's this and she keeps being like they don't know what they're talking about every time she visits like four and eventually the narrator says, like, she goes to visit a technology expert. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what a technology expert is. And she just has yeah. this guy. She just stands in his lounge and he's waving devices around her head. And he's like, yeah, that's a good reading. And I'm like, what is this? What? What? Who is he? And then later on, when she goes to see him again, it says she she goes back. Uh, Marie goes back to visit the UFO expert. I'm like, hang on a minute. <laughs> when he was in it before, you said he was a technology expert. Now the truth is coming out. You're saying he's a UFO expert, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. But yeah, this it's... This is what I mean. It's just people making money of... Like, what's stopping anyone? And it's just like... You just pick up literally anything. Just be like, right, you need to put this over your wrist. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. This this guy does sell... This Kentucky woman, he sends... He's like, I've got a device that will help you. And yeah, she... Of course. She opens the envelope and it's just a crystal of a battery stuck to it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she even laughs about it. I like her more of the three because even she's like, well, this is fucking stupid. What's this going to do? <laughs> yeah, this is fucking shit. She's like, she goes, it looks like a vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I've got to watch this now. I mean, I would recommend everyone watch it. I'm so glad I watched it. But at the same, and I spoke about it at work today of a guy I work with. I said to him, um, I said, oh, I'm recording about UFO abductions tonight because I knew he was kind of interested in that stuff. And I told him I'd watched it. And he said, yeah, I've seen it. And I said, yeah, <laughs> I said, it's amazing, isn't it? He said, oh, it's incredible. Um, I said, but I did find it kind of sad. He was like, I'm really glad you said that because he said, when I finished watching it, he said, I felt kind of sad. But also it's incredibly entertaining. It's like seeing these kind of people out there in the world doing their thing is fascinating. Mm. But there's a sad element to it. But it's definitely worth watching. Okay. But it's exploitative, so... That's my homework. Yeah, but TV is... All TV is exploitative, isn't it? It's only... It's not. It's 50 minutes long, and it's on Netflix. Uh. Confessions of an Alien Abductee. It was Tiss's pick of the week, and now it's my pick of the week. Nice. And... Next time we record it will probably be my pick of the week. Beast pick of the week. It's a it's a three thumbs up triple lock. I think it will. I think it's a great show. Yeah. I you know, Becca was trying to work. It was my day off work last week and I was supposed to be studying, but I took a, a break to watch this thing. <laughs> and while I was watching it, Becca was trying to work. She works from home. And she kept hearing <laughs> bits of it and coming over to the telly. She couldn't like stop herself because it's so fascinating. Yeah. I don't. It's definitely on UK Netflix. I don't know if it's on American Netflix because it's a UK production. It's funny because they're all up north. They're all sort of filmed around where I live. So I was like, oh, fucking hell. Oh dear. But there we go. Anyway, that's um, that's all I've got on the 1960s. I mean, the the main meat of the episode was the Hill incident, wasn't it? Mm. I really enjoyed that. I'd never heard it before. Um, and and it was in some ways it was very different to what I've heard before. So that was refreshing. It was different to the cases from the 50s we covered which is when i started digging into i was just going to pick some random cases and then i when i sort of honed honed in on the hill incident i thought well we'll just do the 1960s because if i pair it with the andresen thing it's um is what it is and i wear i am aware listeners i apologize it's a bit like the um warren's episodes where i feel like i'm doing 90 percent of the talking but there's a lot of stuff to get through i'm basically just telling telling everyone a story <laughs> Yeah, it's nice though. I like these ones. Considering I I go through my day to day barely talking. I don't talk at work. I come home and I study. I've actually kind of got a sore throat from this episode now. <laughs> oh wow! Well, I found it really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with the um, alien abduction series, I've sort of done the fifties. I've done the sixties. I, I want to do the seventies, and I feel like everything beyond there has kind of come up in one way or another on the show so yeah. it feels like it's a trilogy we'll do the 50s 60s and 70s of these classic alien abductions so when i eventually revisit the alien abductions we'll, we'll go through the 1970s and we'll do some of the cases from them and then you've got these three the three boom decades of the abductions i would call them yeah awesome no, i enjoyed that thanks man that was good fun yeah thanks man no problem um i'm glad uh, i'm glad you enjoyed it next who's going next by the way it can be for you guys Tess, have you got something in, me- in mind already? I haven't. Right, fun. anyway. Um, oh, I forgot I haven't actually wrapped up the show. We're just chatting shit. So if you want to get in contact, wtatupod at gmail.com. Uh, go on the website, w- uh, weirdtalesintheunexplainable.com. All the links are there. Thanks a lot for listening. We love you, Lars. <laughs> love you, bye. See you later. And uh, until next time. Cheers. Abductee you later. No. no. That's good. That's, that's a good no. one. Abductee you later. I used that the last one. It's a bit like the warrant you're glad you listened. It's going to keep coming back. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, I like it. <sighs> That's good, man. I'm glad. I'm glad someone likes it.
Off to the studio late nights, time to cut another track. It's gotta be hype, got my rhyme book in hand, a blue loose leaf. Anybody moves in that, they get loose teeth. Evil's got the funky beat, a stupid dope loop. But the record's kinda old, what we gon' do, troop? We gotta clean it up, cause it's so dope. Try to rub an alcohol, even the ivory soap. But no matter what we do, the record keeps clicking. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Yo, E, give me some of that damn fried chicken. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.